The Touchdown City Podcast is presented by Salango Law, where you don't get excuses, you get results. Visit them online at salangolaw.com. From the Riverbank Studio is your host, Anthony Lewis, along with Avon Coborn and Derek Bailey. And this is the Touchdown City Podcast. Welcome to the Touchdown City Podcast. I'm Anthony Lewis, and this show is produced in partnership with HD Media and the Charleston Gazette Mail. First and foremost, thank you so much for taking the opportunity and the time to download the Touchdown City Podcast. This week's episode, this episode is going to feature Phil Braxton. Phil Braxton has a great story, former wide receiver from West Virginia University, but he's a Pittsburgh guy. And if you notice the theme of this summer's episodes, we're talking about the backyard brawl. We're just over, uh, I guess, about two months away from the backyard brawl, Pittsburgh, West Virginia, on September 1st in Pittsburgh. And throughout the course of the summer, we're just catching up with former Mountaineers to talk to them about the, the brawl and also their experience in the game over the years. You can go back so far and listen to the Brian Joswiak story and also the Bo Orlando story. So, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll help be joined by Phil Braxton. But before we take that break, I want to remind you guys, please take the second and hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And also... We have some new Touchdown City shirts at touchdowncity.com. They're like 10 bucks and we also have some 1 cent touchdown excuse me. We have some 1 cent Touchdown City podcast koozies. All you have to do is go over to touchdowncity.com and for the 1 cent koozies use the promo code penny and you'll get your koozies for 1 penny. So, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll be joined by former Mountaineer and Pittsburgh native and current resident, Phil Braxton. We'll do that after this. It's Mountaineer football season at Tony the Tailor. Tony the Tailor is the Valley's preeminent men's clothing store. Master Tailor Anthony Perizzino has assembled an extraordinary combination of world-renowned vendors and support staff with one goal in mind, to exceed your expectations. In addition to hand-tailored clothing, Tony the Tailor also sells quality WVU apparel from Johnny O to show your support for the Mountaineers. Use promo code Let's Go for 20% off WVU apparel at bestmastertailor.com. Get more bank for your business with United Bank. Whether you'd like to start a business, purchase commercial real estate or equipment, United Bank can help. We support business development throughout our great state, making business and consumer loans and fueling opportunities. Small business owners' dreams come true and larger corporations grow. What can we do for your business? United Bank, West Virginia's bank. Proud to be united with the Mountaineers. Equal housing lender. Member FDIC. Welcome, stranger. Yeah, hello, this is Ed, and you listen to the Touchdown City Podcast. Welcome back to the Touchdown City Podcast, presented by Salengo Law and also co-produced with HD Media. I'm Anthony Lewis, and joining us on the phone from the great 
state of Pennsylvania and the city of Pittsburgh, Phil Braxton. Phil, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. I appreciate you inviting me on the show. Yeah, well, you know, we were talking a little bit before we hit record here, and, and I was going through a list of guys and thinking about some names, and I, I thought instantly, yeah, I need to reach out to Phil because you're a, a Pittsburgh guy, and you're still there in the city, and with this with this newfound resurgence in the backyard brawl, I'm sure uh, <clears throat> you've got an interesting perspective as far as uh, as far as the backyard brawl goes. But when you first heard that the game was coming back, and and what was your first reaction? Well, to be honest, you know, I um, I'm currently a teacher on the north side, so just being close to the stadium where I work, um, my boss is a pit guy. Quite a few of my bosses are pit guys, so they couldn't wait to run up and tell me. So they're like, dude, you know what it is. Backyard brows <laughs> coming back. So you can feel the incite you can feel the excitement in the area, you know, in the Pittsburgh area. And, you know, for me, being a part of that, you know, it just brings up some memories and it's something that I appreciate personally myself and I can't wait to for the game to come actually. You mentioned you were teaching. So catch everybody up. What what have you been up to? Tell us, tell us what's been going on since you've left Morgantown and and uh, retreated back to the Still City. Well, actually, for a while, um, you know, as soon as I finished playing football or whatever, whatever, I um, immediately became a teacher. So I went to Virginia, Sterling, Be- Sterling, Virginia area, you know, Fairfax County area, Loudoun County area, um, and taught three or four years down there, I believe, what it was, and then. You know, I was kind of missing home a little bit, so I decided to come back to the Pittsburgh area. Had a few family members that were in education, so I just continued to do the education. So for the last maybe 17 years, I've been at a school called Manchester Academic Charter School. Mm -hmm. Um, It's on the north side, and I've been teaching mathematics in seventh grade since. So full disclosure for the listeners, uh, Phil teaches at a school where my grandmother works. And he keeps yes, he keeps an eye out and <laughs> he keeps an eye out on my grandma Jean up there in Pittsburgh. So I appreciate you. You send me notes. Please give her a shout out to Miss Jean. Yeah, you send me notes from time to time, and I appreciate seeing her and hearing the good things from her. So uh, I appreciate you looking out for her there at the school. <clears throat> but uh, so when 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 I say backyard brawl, what does that mean to you as a Mountaineer? Well, well, you know, Anthony, I actually have a family history um, of WVU football. So mm-hmm. I had um, an older uncle, obviously, um, and Jim Braxton that played at WVU. And I had another uncle as well in West Turner that played at WVU. So um, through my childhood, you know, my grandmother had, and I lived with my grandmother, which they did as well. That was their mother. So I lived in the same house they lived in growing up. So I would go through the living room and she actually had a, we called it a trophy room. And then this trophy room had, I'm telling you what, Anthony, three, 400 trophies. And um, the wall, the ones that were on display were on the walls and they were actually WVU trophies from both of my uncles that had played prior to me. And I used to just think, man, I cannot wait till I get to WVU and I can play versus Pitt and be in front of my whole family and everybody that sees me playing this area. So it's 
I know for the area kids, it's like that Super Bowl type game if you don't get to go to a bowl game. But it's an opportunity for people in the area that have seen you grow up and seen you play throughout the years to just, you know, take a short drive and see you once again. Mm-hmm. So I, I personally love it, and it's dear to me. So I learned something there. I knew Obviously, I knew Jim Braxton was your uncle, but I did not know that you related to Wes Turner. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's funny – how that all plays out. And obviously um, your, your uncle Jim is uh, that's, they named, am I correct when they, when they say, when I say they named Braxton Towers after him? Yeah, they actually did. Okay. That's what I thought. And then as soon as it started to come out of my mouth, I was like, well, do I know that for sure? And of course, went on. So you see the pool. Yeah. So you see the pool to go towards WVU as a, yeah. So uh, it, it runs deep in the family. Yes. And so when you get to Morgantown, you know, third family member to, to put on the uniform, um, obviously I'm sure you were looking forward to the pit game. Listen, I can't tell you, you know, um, just obviously when you grow up in the area, there's a lot of um, people that you go to high school with that go to both West Virginia and Pitt. So that was one of the bigger things as well, where I had at least – maybe 10, 10 to 15 um, high school classmates that attended Pitt, mm-hmm. um, some of which played on the football team with me. So I can remember, oh, man, it must have been my sophomore or junior year when I was starting for sure, and I knew I was going to get an opportunity to see the ball and just jogging out the tunnel for warm-ups and seeing, like, I can't even tell you the amount of students, players, people that I've just had in my, my life, my career, high school, you name it, that were just sitting in the stands. And I'm like, it, it's just something special to, you know, be able to play in front of people that have been there through your whole journey. So, mm-hmm. like I said, it just, it just means the world to me. What's it like when you get on the field against former teammates that you obviously – you classmates you went to school with and even other guys you may have played against even in high school? So, I don't know if you know this as well, where – I had a teammate of mine that used to play for Pitt, and he was pretty good. His name was Marcus Furman. Mm-hmm. So Marcus Furman, I believe, started um, – unfortunately, I think hurt. So we didn't get to play much against each other because, like, one year I'd be hurt and the other year he was hurt. But um, we actually played on the same high school team together. So that was something I also look forward to, and I know he did as well, where – I'm like, man, I get to go over here and kind of sh- try to show up my my former teammate in a way. So, leading into the O2 was O2 your senior year? Now, yeah, it was my senior. Okay, year. I was gonna say I'm getting old now, so I, I tend to lose track. Yeah, of yeah. <laughs> of some of the guys in the years that they they came out, but uh, so in '99, uh, West Virginia. So here's an interesting thing about the backyard brawl, and I'm sure you're well aware of this. It's it's a game of you just throw everything out out the door, everything the 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 records don't matter, and anything that you think that you expect to happen won't happen, and everything you don't expect to happen will happen. So in '99, West Virginia, and that would have been your true or your freshman year, knocked off. Pittsburgh and kept them out of a bowl game but yet that was Mark Bulger's return and I think he threw a ton of touchdowns I know he hit Porter a couple times you know who he hit to that game I remember 
because he's an area guy as well. And I watched that game as Pat Green. You remember Pat Green? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think Pat Green had a big game that game. Yeah. So, you know, 99. And then West Virginia went on a a three-year or two – was it 2000 and 2001 where they didn't beat Pitt. Um, Kind of got blown out a little bit. You know, Kevin Barlow. Yeah, and then, you know, Antonio Bryant. I mean, and then as soon as Bryant leaves, you're dealing with Rod Rutherford. So, let's get into 2002, the backyard brawl. Your senior year, you go back to Pittsburgh. And um, West Virginia beats, wins 24-17 in a barn burner. I mean, and again, another game where anything you don't expect to happen, happens, you know. What um what was that game like for you as a senior, especially on a team that the year before had only won three football games with Coach Rodriguez's first year, um, and now you're looking at the and and it was what ended up being the biggest turnaround in the country as far as records. Well, I'll be honest with you, I felt a bit of anxiety prior to the game. Um, it's not something that I typically would feel prior to the games, but for some reason, like you said, Pitt was just always a bit different. I knew I was going to have a lot of family members there. So like I said, typically that's when most of my family members would try to make it to the game. So I knew it was going to be a packed crowd in, in terms of my family. So I'll be honest, if, if Coach Rod or whoever was here, I was pretty much banging them to give me that ball that game. And I'm like, <laughs> listen, I promise you, if you throw me the ball, I will score, score versus Pitt, please, or at least give me an opportunity. I know mm-hmm. we can help. I, I can help my team win. So, um, you know, God's good. So he allowed me to actually have a pretty decent game. I think every game I've ever played against Pitt by far, if you were to look at my career average, it'd be at least triple versus Pitt mm-hmm. versus compared to any other team. So I – <laughs> you already know how I feel about that. That is just <laughs> it. It's everything. Let's back up a little bit. Rod Rutherford versus Rashid Marshall. Um, I think that was kind of the billing going into the game, both Pittsburgh guys. Um, what do you remember about that going into that game? Um, like you said, both not only Pittsburgh guys, but City League guys. So, you know, Rod was a big name in the City League. Um, coming out of high school, but Rashid not so much. So Rashid had a lot of work that I watched him do throughout his career to became to become the player that he was, you know, or we know him to be because mm-hmm. he definitely was not given um, just everything like some players may. You know, if you're highly rated, a lot of times it's it's a little bit, you know, you might have a better opportunity. But he was not necessarily that guy. So I remember that build up, and I actually can remember one thing about Rashid. He always would be very composed prior to games. You know, sometimes you play with players that get really hype and, you know, head button and run around <laughs> screaming, but he was never that guy. He was always that mild man or reserve type player. So, you know, he always led by example. Yeah, I know. And we know, and we know Rod as well. Let me, let me not leave Rod out, man. I'm sorry because, you know, in high school, um, I believe Rod and myself, we came out the same year. So it's a guy that, you know, I kind of compared myself to in high school coming mm-hmm. out where they had uh, something in the Pittsburgh area called the Terrific 25 and the Fabulous 22. Mm-hmm. 
where I, um, you know, we both made it that last year or, or senior years. And I believe he made it his junior year. So it was some, somebody that I knew that was really good that I compared myself to somewhat in high school. Well, I, I just remember going into that game <clears throat> and it may have been just me, but I just remember thinking this is a matchup of, of, of city guys, Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh kids matching up. And that was Rashid's really his first year starting full time. Um, you know, he had two more seasons after that. But um, Rashid, of course, comes home and 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 has a hell of a football game. But um, another couple of things that were really strange about that game were, I don't know if you real, realize this, but you guys denied Pitt their first nine-win season at, in 20 years at that point. Had they won that day, it would have been the first time in 20 years they had won nine games. Excuse me. But, again, another odd – you know, just – it seems like there's always something in the background of this, you know, you there's you know, with something with West Virginia Pitt and and honestly the difference in that game was it, I don't know if you remember this but cuz I went back and watched a little bit of it earlier on my lunch break, but uh Pittsburgh turned the ball over three consecutive times. Mm-hmm. Early in I the mid game. Yeah, they fumbled uh an, like an option play and Rother- Rutherford had two picks and um Angel Estrada and somebody uh Brian, Brian King. King. Yeah. Brian King and, and Angel Strada both got him. So one thing I wanted to talk to you about was, um, and you mentioned you started kind of going into it earlier, you had a hell of a day. You had 108 yards, a touchdown, and you had 57 yards on special teams. I don't know if you remember the stat line, but um, but that's that's what you ended up with on the day. And you, you, know, you kind of alluded to it. Do you think you had a little bit of extra something just because you were at home? I, I would like to think so. I know that, like I said, prior to the game, you know, you go into every game and you just try your hardest. So I don't know if I tried any harder, but I know that my adrenaline was much higher than it typically would be in another game. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it being at towards the end of the season as well, I can remember um, just some of the seniors, Avon and you know, like like we're saying, Angel Strada and some other guys, and us just talking how important it was for us to do everything we needed to do to win. Um, you said this prior, where I believe the season before was Coach Rod's first season, so we were like three and eight, and we really remembered what that feeling was like, and none of us were, were used to losing really like that. So I just remember going into that game and and talking to Avon in particular and saying like, Hey, listen, we got to Whatever we need to do, we're going to do that this game. So we win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause what was on the line at the end of the day was if West Virginia wins, whoever wins went to the Gator bowl. Well, supposedly, and we know how that all played out, but, um, (laughs) which, you know, God, it's still to this day, not only have I, carried a little bit of a grudge against Notre Dame since the 80s but that was just another reason because we should have been at Jacksonville that year not Charlotte freezing because <laughs> if you remember it was cold yes. it was cold yes, at that Virginia I game remember the game was earlier in the year you know I wasn't really a New Year's Day bowl anymore mm-hmm. uh, and we lost that bowl game and I believe a lot of that attributed to that as well where we were so hyped that we thought we had that opportunity to go to the Gator Bowl that 
when it didn't happen and we went to that bowl. I believe we played Virginia and we got we got beat pretty bad, if not I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Avon has said many times he he didn't even want to be there. And a lot of the guys yeah. because of the fact that you thought you were going to you're going to a New Year's Day bowl and you got denied and over, you know, the the, the Big East rule and he just said that he didn't want to be there and, you know, he hates to say it that way twenty years later, but he didn't want to be there. And a lot of guys felt the same and it was just kind of a letdown to be in Charlotte when he should have been in Florida. <laughs> but, you know I agree. I agree. You know, and you know, and as he says, looking back at it, I should have not felt that way. But when you're young and every that's just human nature, you know, and that's just the way people feel. <clears throat> I agree. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of, like we said, that with that pit game where, you know, our emotions, like I was telling you, my emotions were so high. And I believe all of that was a factor as well, where mm-hmm. we knew if we won, we had that opportunity to go to Gator Bowl. And that was like ultimately our goal. So when it didn't happen, it definitely was, I believe, just a natural letdown from the team. Mm-hmm. I do remember after the, after the pit game, somebody had an inflatable Gator. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, <laughs> on the sideline. I believe it was Avon. I'm sure. I'm sure it was. Yeah, there was an inflatable gator that somebody had on the on the sideline running around with it. I remember that uh, specifically. But one of the plays I wanted to talk to you about, and you talked to you 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 kind of alluded to it, uh, saying that you you would get open, throw me the football. You ran. I think you were on the left side of the formation, and you ran a route, and basically turned the defensive back around and, and Rashid hit you for 29 yards and probably another step. You probably would have broke that one too, but the play that you went for 79, I mean, first of all, you were wide open. <laughs> you, you were just streaking down the field. Rashid made a hell of a play. I don't know if you ever gone back and watched it. I actually have. And I seen that pump fake. He, I believe he pump faked the DN, right? And he jumped. Mm-hmm. And Rashid just ducked and ran to the left, and then you came streaking across the center, the middle, and you were wide open. Um, what do you remember about that play? Because I, I watched, I watched it three times today. I couldn't help it. But what do you remember <laughs> about that play? I believe you commented on this. So, <laughs> so what I remember about it is, you know, sometimes things are to me i think sometimes things are just meant to be and it, it seemed to me like that play i could remember being open and i know coach rod at the time most coaches don't like it where you have your hand up to say that you're open but i was like listen i'm so open i gotta let rashid see this <laughs> so when he was able to still get free and and just launch that ball because at that point i was pretty far down the field and i was like oh man when he when he threw it I I pretty much knew it was a touchdown. I'm like, oh, he threw that perfect. This is a touchdown. So I, I believe so much so. I was so excited. You comment on this every now and then where <laughs> I immediately looked up at the screen. And at the time, West Virginia's screen wasn't most, – most stadiums didn't have a screen that was in the end zone like that. And I actually seen myself, and I was like, well, I'm about to be in the end zone. And, you know, I guess this – this was also that young version of me where I was doing a little bit of showboating and the defensive back was much closer than I thought he was just based off the time delay of the screen. So he did clip my heels, but I 
in my mind, I'm like, listen, I don't care if a hundred people jump on me. I am making it to the end zone at this point. So <laughs> I guess it was a little bit of both. I remember literally. So I feel like I was in the end zone behind. I used to shoot what they called a reversal when I worked at MSN. So I would get everything picked coming towards me, but I can't remember where I was on the field, but I remember thinking, Oh, keep running, Phil. He's on you. And I remember him clipping your heels. There was like a two second delay on the video board. And I remember mm-hmm. watching it thinking he's watching the screen. He sees himself on the screen and he, you didn't realize that the guy was right up on you when it looks like he was on the screen, still five yards behind you. So I always get a little, little giggle whenever I see that clip and watch him clip your feet there right at the end. Yes. And it's a little bit more embarrassing now than then. (laughs) (laughs) And I can remember even at the time where uh, I'll never forget this. Lance Frazier came up and was like, dude, you already know, like you're doing the most, please make sure you're in the end zone first. And I'm like, all right, man, I'm sorry. (laughs) Hey, it all worked out, man. And was the, and if it was a difference maker, you know, you guys ended up winning by seven that day. But it was a hell of an ending. If you remember, I went back, like I said, I went back and watched some of it today. And the fact that Rutherford had multiple shots at Fitzgerald in the end zone at the end of it. I mean, Ben Collins, big play at the end. Oh, yeah, that's um, what that was, that Ben Collins at the end. I almost forgot about that. Yeah, and I can't remember. Somebody got Rutherford. What really helped was on first down, he got sacked. And they didn't have any timeouts, so they had to, the, t- the clock was running. So, you know, it was just a hell of an ending and an exciting football game because at that point, you know, you guys had gone up 24 to 10. Then they scored and then they kept getting, you know, here they come. And you're, and listen, man, I don't know how you felt, but I just felt like they've got, they're going to throw the ball to Fitzgerald and let's just call it what it is. He was probably the best receiver in the country at the time. So, um, you know, if you, if you got anybody throwing the football to, to Fitzgerald, they got a chance to score. So I just remember it being real nerve wracking there at the end. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I'm like, and I believe we were all on the sideline. Like we got to keep the momentum going because they got a guy on the other end that we can turn around and he could score six immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were saying before we hit record, um, a lot of, there's a lot of Mountaineers still up in Pittsburgh and you guys are able to get together from time to time or, who do you run into? Who do you see? Who do you keep in touch with um, up there that are Mountaineers? Um, I'm telling you, there's there's quite a few. The person that I see, well, you know me being a teacher for for a long time. Um, Chris Edmonds would come to the building. I believe he's been to the building. You know, he has the food truck and other things that he does um, in the city. Um, Vaughn Rivers is still there, you know. Um not Eric Wicks, um, Ryan Mundy, you know, some of those people stop in and out. And if you give me a second, I can name quite a few more. I mean, it's just, it's like, oh, oh probably the number one person for real, for real is uh, Mike Logan. Because mm-hmm. Mike Logan's still um, around. And there is somebody else. I don't want to leave somebody out, but there is somebody that I see often. Oh, you know who used to come to my school a lot as well? And he had a book and he still does a lot of things for the youth, but I think he moved back out to California and that's West Lines. Oh yeah. 
I forgot about uh, he. Yeah, he had a book and he was going off to get online and check. I remember him going to schools and visiting with kids. Um, yeah, but so with he's, Facebook, he's program at my school as well. But with Facebook, I tend to lose track of people, or they, you know, how their algorithm gets weird. You don't yes. see everything all the time. So I have to double check in with him. And the pandemic, so it's been hard. So you know, it's just like I'm like, man, it's been three years since I've seen this person, or two years, and it's really just been the length of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have the same feelings down here, like just not being able to see people and. This is really this year since, well, probably March or April was like the first time I've like really gone out and started like going out to really, really do stuff. I mean, I went to football, a couple of football games last year, but I was still kind of laying low to I knew for sure, you know, so, mm-hmm. so it's good to be out and about and getting back to normal. What, when you think about, okay, so obviously we're, we're like 80 days away from the game. What do you think leading up to this game? Um, you, what do you want the young guys to know? Because I, I hope that they're able to convey to them the importance of this football game, not only for fans, but for the university and what it really means. Because when you're so disconnected from a rivalry game, when they fire it back up, this you know the guys there don't know much about it. Even the coaching staff, they're not West Virginia guys. Yes. So I don't know what I would tell them, but one thing I can say that I've noticed more recent is, you know, we got a guy that lives not maybe 10 blocks from me and Rodney Rodney Gallagher that just signed for West Virginia. So when I look at, and I know his parents know what it means. So um, just seeing Chris Henry's son, at the camp with Pac-Man. So I'm hoping some of these younger kids that I noticed that are signed in West Virginia that actually have parents and uncles and people in their neighborhood that are from West Virginia, that it's going to start making some more of that, that type of connection. Cause I believe for a while, you know how recruiting gets where you start with stop recruiting an area. And it, I believe that's a lot of the connection too. Mm-hmm. You know, just speaking to guys like Antonio Brown and, you know, like, hey, they used to recruit Miami real heavy or they used to recruit oh, this part of Ohio heavy or this part of Pennsylvania heavier. And noticing when you get different co- coaches, how it changes the recruiting recruiting pattern as well. Um, I'm kind of happy or um looking forward to seeing some of these old areas that they used to recruit come back alive again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I mean, obviously, I mean, if you follow, if you have half a brain and you follow any football, you know, that Western PA is rich in tradition of football players. So they have to get back in there. And I mean, you can't, you can't just let guys get out of there. So the Gallagher, so he, you're pretty familiar with that young man. Very familiar with him. They, you know, the, there's a lot of hype. I mean, I, I have not been one of these people that like to talk about potential. I think the whole Jason Gwaltney thing rubbed me the wrong yeah. way. So okay. when they get Makes these sense. when they get these guys in, you know, to me, I want to see it. I want to I want to see it develop. I, I want you know. I've I've always felt like West Virginia was built on the underdog guys. Like you said, Rashid Marshall was not a highly touted quarterback or even a, coming out of high school. 
and ends up being the player of the year in the Big East in 2004, gets his shot in the show. Um, and I think West Virginia has a, tradi- a tradition of guys that have maybe been under-recruited and come in with a chip on their shoulder. So when I see a guy, a young man come in, and you know they're saying this kid may be one of the top five highly recruited players ever at West Virginia. So I'm hoping he um, – I don't want to say lives up to it, but understands that you still got to come in with a chip on your shoulder. And I'm sure um, if he's familiar with the tradition at West Virginia, I'm sure he'll, he'll know what comes with that. Well, I agree. I can 100% agree with you with that. Um, I can remember when I went to West Virginia, I had the prop 48 and they were, I was like, well, who prop 48 is before I did. And they were like, well, Gary Stills and Jerry Porter. So I was like, Oh, we're in, I, I get it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so um, I do understand where you're coming from. Just me personally knowing um, a little bit about that young man, his mom and his father. One thing I can say about him, he is a good kid. He's a character guy. Mm-hmm, and good. we know also, um, especially living in the social media area, how I, I believe it's probably a little bit easier to get caught up in situations Mm -hmm. Uh, i feel really comfortable from what i know of him and his character his character is very very high so um i only can speak very highly of that young man well that's all i need to hear i like character kids so so. you know usually if you got all the talent in the world and you don't have character and work ethic it's not going to amount to much we we've how many how many times have we seen that flat play out yes you know yes so well what are your plans for the backyard brawl you going to the game oh i 100 will be there um <laughs> i believe honestly it's probably going to be a more like an event um like i said just having you know teaching right like my parking pass is like close enough to just walk to the stadium <laughs> so i know me I'm sure former teammates, um, even paid guys, like I said, my boss, he's already talking about making like a school event out of it. So oh, wow. I wouldn't be shocked if my he gets tickets for everybody in the whole school and like everybody goes. Yeah, that's it, it. It threw me off. The moving it to Thursday threw me off. I was coming and I was going to try to make it a family event. Uh, but I can't, I can't burn the vacation time. I hate to even say it that way, but um, I just can't. Oh, I get it. You know, I can't burn two it's days. It's different now. Yeah, it's different now. <laughs> you know, it, the thing about the brawl, and I think any and all West Virginia fans, it's personal. Um, obviously, I, my so this may this story may mean a little bit more to you than uh, to some of the listeners because you you know my grandmother, but. Years ago, when my when my grandfather, my grandpa James, was alive, of course he would come down here to visit, and they came down one year. It was 1989, and um, I've told this story before on here, but so I'll keep it short. But it was 1989. Pitt had Alex Van Pelt, who was actually from West Virginia, and mm. and there was a parade, like a town parade, in this town that I lived in, and my grandfather decides to put on his big sweatshirt and he was a big guy, right? Big old broad shoulders, this big blue sweatshirt with just pit across the chest. And if you dig up the DVD, 
and on the or the, the old home video because my dad home videoed everything. You can hear my gra- my grandfather arguing with people in the crowd. Like you could hear people saying stuff to him from <laughs> from the floats and him talking back to him. And what he would yell back at him, he would say, "We're going to whip your ass with a West Virginia quarterback." That's what he was saying to him. <laughs> so if you see my grandmother, ask ask her about the time that James Lewis was talking trash to the people in West Virginia about Alex Van Pelt, and she'll repeat that story to you. I certainly will. And then in 98, um, I came up there. My aunt Robin, uh, my gr- grandma's daughter Robin, worked at the university, so she got us all tickets. So we went to Three River Stadium, and that was the night Bulger went nuts. He threw, I think, four or five touchdowns, and we ran everybody out of the section that night. So it, the, the backyard brawl is personal, man. Like you said, you it's in your family. It's in my family. Um, and I think a lot of listeners have stories to tell about the brawl. So I, you know, I told you a little bit about my family members that actually played football, but I had quite a few that went to West Virginia that didn't play sports as well. So just re, I believe it was last year they did the ultimate mountaineer competition, mm-hmm. and yep. I have a cousin Jamie Braxton who is like a principal in Virginia, and she made a whole video, and we actually won that competition. So we actually. <laughs> We're the ultimate family, ultimate mountaineer family. We won that competition. Oh, wow. And, and I believe it ended up being maybe nine or ten of us that graduated from West Virginia. Wow. So not just football players, but people that are ma- true mountaineers went to West Virginia University and graduated. Yes. So it is definitely deeply ingrained into my family, the <laughs> West Virginia tradition. Well, that's – that's you're going to – man, we're going to get you down here – to visit sometime. I mean, we're always doing events. I, I, I've got your number now, so I'll reach out to you. I mean, it, it's always great to see when we have guys back for different things. Um, and you know this, Mountaineer fans always show love. And, and Yes, they do. So we'll have to get you back down here and, you know, so you can catch up with everybody. And, you know, Avon's living here in Charleston now. So I see him on a regular yeah, basis. Yeah, and I, I talk to him quite often. We'll have to put something together, man, and get you down. All right, that sounds like a plan. And you you brought something up, and I just kind of want to touch on this as well. Sure. Where I appreciate Major Harris getting his just dues finally. Me and you both know it's been a long time coming. Yeah, And man. I appreciate seeing some of the things that I'm seeing in terms of him finally being honored for what he's really, what he really meant to college football as a whole, being a black quarterback. Yeah. I mean, you know, you being there in Pittsburgh, you witnessed it firsthand probably. And people, you probably hear more of the legend of him being a Brashear, you know, but Mage, when I, that was my first Mountaineer football game. Mage was a senior, or no, he was a sophomore. 88 Syracuse was my first game. So, the kids that love Pat White now, you know, that were little kids, that was Major Harris for me. I was 11 mm-hmm. or 12 years old, and, man, I just remember that's that was really it. That's what kind of started it. I had always listened to the Mountaineers on the radio, man, but when Major Harris, when I got to see Major in person and the name ended up going undefeated in the regular season, I was hooked. <laughs> I was hooked, you know, and, and never turned back. So, and now, you know, they're – finally doing all the things that um, 
you know, he was just ahead of his time. I see Rip Mage once or twice a year, and and I and I hate even bringing it up to him, but it always comes out of my mouth, bro. You were just so far ahead of your time. <laughs> you were just so far ahead of your time. But you're right. You know, he's now in the College Football Hall of Fame. They just retired his number at West Virginia, and uh, they're naming a street for him in Pittsburgh. Uh, I think that's coming up. Yes, yes, they are. Yes, they are. So you you've seen it from both sides, from the West Virginia side, and from his. You know, he's a Pittsburgh legend as well. I believe he's probably in all the Hall of Fames up there. Oh, yes, he is. Yes, he is. And that, and that's one of the things also that, you know, we talk about um, among some of the people when I'm there is West Virginia gets a lot, takes a lot of slack at times, but they were kind of innovative when it came to the black quarterback. Um we were just recently, I was just recently talking to a group of people and Rod Relaford was, did have an opportunity, a black quarterback at Pitt. Mm-hmm. But when you look at West Virginia from Darren Studsteels to Pat Weiss, to Rashid's to you name it, like we're saying, Major Harris, there's been through our lifetime, a lot that we've been able to see. And I think that it's created more West Virginia fans than people think. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. West Virginia has been ahead of the curve as far as having black quarterbacks. And, you know, some people may not think that's a big deal, but if you know the history of the black quarterback in the NFL and especially in college, it's a huge deal. Um, You know, even John Talley got an opportunity to play quarterback at West Virginia, Daryl's brother. Uh, And then Mage, um, you know, you go right through it. Darren Studd still. You mentioned a lot of them. Geno. Geno. How do we forget Geno Smith? You know, so – not that, not that that the you know is a, diff, diff, a decision maker, but it means a lot, especially just coming from the history of the NFL, not allowing or giving black quarterbacks an opportunity. You know, you look at Warren Moon; he had to go to Canada to mm-hmm. to, to make his mark. So, yeah, you credit Coach Nealon and you credit Rich Rodriguez and even Bill Stewart, um, you know, for recruiting these these men and giving them a shot when there were probably schools out there that wouldn't. But at that point, you got to remember, Mage kind of set the tone. And then Mike Vick, when Vick came along, everybody was looking for that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, so – but Major was ahead of the curve. I always tell him, man, I'm like, man, we could be on a yacht if you were playing now. <laughs> I'm telling you. So far. And it wasn't even close. I mean, like, he was – how many years you think that is, Anthony? Like, a good – Probably 30, like 15 years ahead of the curve. Oh, easy. 10, 15? You're talking about the late 80s, and nobody was really looking for that scrambling guy until Vic came back around 12 years later. You know, because Vic came around in 99. So you're talking a 10-year difference between mm-hmm. Major Harris and Michael Vic. And then, of course, Pat White. Pat White was something totally different because – Pat wasn't known as much of a passer. He was they Rich was running that spread that option read stuff with Pat and Pat was so fast that and then he, they changed they totally changed the game. Totally changed the yeah, game. But you did. played in that offense. You know, you know Rich was way ahead of the curve as far as the offense goes. Yeah, he was. He was. And I still see how people are throwing wrinkles of what he did 20 years ago still into their offense, even a little bit. I seen the pros. I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, they used to, I guess they used to use Percy Harvin, someone like that. When I look at Debo and I look at certain people and I'm like, Hey man, listen, that's 
you're using him on how they were using Tavon Austin. How we how we use this person or that person. Yeah. Yeah, Rich, I was like I said, I was watching that O two pick game today and you guys were running out of that spread. And man, just watching Avon in that in that zone read up front, you know, that that zone blocking scheme up front and just watching Avon hit those holes and then you know, then Rashid would run on you, and then Quincy. Now all of a sudden you're tired, and then they give start giving the ball to Quincy, which nobody wants to tackle yeah. his ass. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no <laughs> you don't want Quincy. You don't want Quincy coming in as the second team guy. Yeah, like. yeah. Because now you got to <laughs> try to stop this bowling ball. So, man, but it was great catching up with you. Um, I appreciate you taking the opportunity to talk about your experience, your experience with the backyard brawl. And, and telling us a little bit about your family, your family history. That was new to me, um, especially knowing that 10, 10 of you have graduated from West Virginia. Um, but I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you coming on. And I'm sure uh, the fans will love hearing from you. Man, I appreciate the opportunity. I really do, Anthony. Well, um, hopefully I'll get up there. Like I said, I'll be in town. I've got to come into town. I'll be in and out this weekend, but um, – and unfortunately, I can't come to the pick game, but I got to get back. I'll be a backup sooner than later. What we ought to try to do is just get everybody together, get you know, get get all those Pitt, Pittsburgh Mountaineers together for a weekend or something. And when I get into town, I'd love to see all those guys. I haven't I haven't seen Vaughn for it's probably been oh every bit of eight years since I've seen him. So and I haven't seen Wick since he graduated. <clears throat> Definitely, you got my number. Lock it in there. Let me know. All right, I will. I will. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. You have a good one. Now. All right. Take it. Phil Braxton there. Number 21 in the program. Number one in your heart. Played wide receiver there at West Virginia and obviously finished up at, uh, you know, he, he finished up his high school career coming out of Western PA and ends up going to University of Pittsburgh and obviously has the family lineage, Wes Turner and his uncle Jim Braxton. Jim Braxton blocked for OJ Simpson when they were with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Jim Braxton is a, a legend at WVU. So I appreciate Phil coming on and giving his perspective of the backyard brawl. And I appreciate you taking the time to download the show. If you like this show, make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a review. And if you would like to support the show, head over to touchdowncity.com and get a Touchdown City shirt. Thanks for downloading. We'll see you on the next episode of the Touchdown City Podcast. The Touchdown City Podcast is produced by Anthony Lewis in partnership with HD Media, the Charleston Gazette Mail. Get your Touchdown City Podcast merchandise by visiting touchdowncity.com.